Uh, Our second reading is Ephesians uh, chapter 4, starting at verse 17, going to the end of the chapter at verse 32. You can find it on page 1176 in your church Bibles. So Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 17. Let me pray for us. Loving Father, as we hear your word read and preached, uh, please meet with us uh, by your spirit and strengthen us uh, to live uh, the new walk, the new self, uh, reflecting and following the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. So Ephesians 4, chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 uh, starting at verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness." Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your, of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, and that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom we were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another a tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Well, if I told you that you need to change your clothes... Uh, Not that we have a dress code here at church, but if I said to you, look, uh, these old clothes, they really don't suit you. You might be a bit offended. Uh, This was a new shirt. It's my favorite jumper. Uh, Callum, it's a little bit rich for someone who wears the same three things every day. Some of you might say, you're not wrong, though. These clothes, they are a bit old. Or you may be thrilled. Yeah. I've been trying to lose weight. These clothes, they are too old now. They're baggy. Of course they don't suit me. Thanks for noticing. But what if I told you to change your spiritual clothes? 
your old clothes, they don't suit you anymore. You've changed. Spiritually, you've changed. And your clothes, they need to reflect that. What would I be talking about? The first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul has been talking all all about what God has done. Uh, The Father, the Son, and the Spirit has done to the Christians and for the Christians in Ephesus. He's given them life where once they were dead in sin. He has adopted them, called them his own, uh, called them heirs with Christ. In fact, says that they're seated with Christ now in the heavenly places. The alienation between them and God that their sin caused, and the alienation between them and one another that their sin caused, has been dealt with. The dividing wall broken down. Over those divisions, God has brought them and made them one people, united together. And Paul, we saw in last week in chapter 4, began talking through how this impacts their everyday life. Being united as a church, in all the diversity of their gifts, serving one another, growing in maturity. The everyday impact of faith is really the second half of the book of Ephesians. And it can be tough, can't it? Because... We're busy people. We find temptation difficult to fight. There's so many anxieties out in this world. Pressures in so many different areas of life. We have to be the the perfect employee, the best boss, the perfect parent-child spouse. And now Paul's saying you've also got to have an impact of what you believe has got to impact your life? It's got to change you as well? How can we even begin to think about that? Let's open up God's word together. See what he has to say about this. We begin with a principle in the first half of the passage, and the second half has a practice. You can follow along uh, in the outline on your service sheets, but also follow along uh, with the Bible open. So the principle is a change in your clothes. Live with the new clothes on. What does this mean? Paul describes the Ephesian Christians as walking a new walk. All throughout chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6. It's a metaphor for how they are to live now. It's a a description of their life. And so this week, uh, there's how not to walk in verse 17. And then... In chapter 5, verse 2, there's an instruction to walk in love. They're the sort of either ends of this section, how not to walk and how to walk. But if you zoom in on the middle of the passage, verse 22, he instructs them to put off their old self. And verse 24, to put on their new self. It's a metaphor for how they are to live now. Don't live as you once did before you were a Christian. Change your clothes spiritually. They don't suit you anymore. Live differently. Before I worked in retail, if you'd asked me uh, if I cared about what I wore, 
the answer would have been pretty obvious. But when it came to the career development and getting modules signed off by the boss, believe it, uh, one of, believe it or not, one of them was called uh, being a fashion icon. The idea that if you worked there, you had to care about what you wore. You had to represent the brand. So I had to care. I couldn't wear the the same old stuff every shift. For that short chapter in my life, I wore the most ridiculous things in the name of fashion and being a fashion icon. But it's the same for Christians. We have to change our clothes. So let's look at the old clothes, the ones that are destined for the bin. The first is futile thinking. Verse 17, look at what Paul says. He says, This I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. So the old clothes of their life include even how they think. It's true of all humanity, isn't it? Uh, The Bible says that we are in a fallen state. Nothing that we do is untouched by this. It's our uh, very nature. This comes from what the Bible calls sin. Not worshipping God as we should. Rebelling against him. Since the first humans rejected God's way for their life, this has been our state. It affects our thinking. Have you ever found yourself thinking something terrible? Caught yourself thinking something horrible, maybe indulging a a grudge or bitterness. And when you realize, you just think, thank goodness that people can't read my mind. Futile thinking. Next in the old wardrobe, dark understanding, verse 18a. They are darkened in their understanding. Uh, In a different letter, Paul describes the the natural state um, as having our foolish hearts darkened. It's saying essentially, spiritually, the old way, the old clothes, the old walk was a bit like walking around in a pitch black room, bumping into furniture and one another. You may not have faith in Christ here today. This can be quite confronting stuff. Spiritually, you're in the dark. Where do you look at the big questions of life, the big spiritual questions. Where do you find meaning? Where do you place your hope? Uh, What are we doing here? What's our identity? We attempt to answer these questions in many, many different ways. Many of those answers are the equivalent of bumping around into the furniture of a dark room. We need, the Bible says, the light of Christ to break through our darkened and futile minds. The next item in the old wardrobe, almost an explanation of this dark understanding, is that we're alienated from God because of ignorance due to hardness of heart. From that second part of verse 18. Here we get to the root cause of the terrible closet full of old clothes. It begins with hard-heartedness, then ignorance than being darkened in understanding. It, it means that we're completely alienated and cut off from God in our natural state. There's nothing in our natural capacity that can break us out of this helpless state. And we try all sorts of things, don't we? We attempt to uh, be better. 
Even as Christians, we can try all sorts of things as well. We can attempt to make our relationship with God okay if I just uh, pray more, read my Bible more, forgive easier, give more money to church. Uh, Maybe God will accept me if I uh, just go to church on a Sunday. He'll give me the thumbs up. It's not the case, though. It's like trying to move the earth by doing push-ups. It doesn't work. Our hard hearts, they affect every single area. And the old way of life was the hardened heart way, including our minds. And it means that we're alienated from God. And this, uh, from this comes callousness. Verse 19, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. A callous is like a hardened piece of skin, isn't it? It's created by lots of friction over time. So if you go uh, rock climbing lots and lots over the years, or if you uh, play guitar or you're a rower, you get calluses forming on your hands. These hardened calluses, they don't really feel anything more. Where once your fingers hurt learning to play guitar, now you don't even feel it. Hard hearts lead to darkened minds, lead to dead hardness of the soul. Having lost all sensitivity, we lose all self-control. We find all kinds of ways of justifying our wrongdoing, our sinful behavior, until we don't really bother with the justification of it anymore. We just call what is wrong right, and we just go for it. Money, sex, power, we become greedy for it. Give ourselves to it. No longer sensitive to ever doing anything wrong as we use it. The old clothes, Paul says, we're to take them off. They don't suit you anymore. They're too old. They belong to the old walk. Instead, we get a whole new wardrobe. How did this happen? Well, you learned Christ. Look at verses 20 and 21. This is not the way you learned Christ, this old clothed way. Not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Jesus calls us to new moral standards. Completely new values compared to your previous pagan life. When you become a Christian, you don't simply say, thank you for the forgiveness, God. Uh, I'll take that and uh, I will uh, go back to living exactly how I once did. No. You learn Christ is Lord. He's king. He rules over everything with perfect righteousness. And we're to follow him and his way for our life. Further than this, Christ himself is the teacher. Verse 21 says, you heard about him. It's more accurate to say, you heard him. You heard him. When we hear the word of God faithfully preached, what are we hearing? We're hearing Christ himself. Effectively, Paul is saying, Christ himself taught you about himself. Leave behind the old clothes. The result is that we obey Christ. If we simplify down verses 20 all the way to 24, it could be obey Christ as he has taught you. So verse 22, take off the old self, which belongs to the former manner of your life, corrupt 
through deceitful desires. The old walk, the old clothes, put them away. Instead, verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Verse 24, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. In some professions like the military, uh, the uniform changes when the job changes, doesn't it? Uh, so if you're, you're promoted, you get uh, extra stripes on your uniform. Things change. And so would a, a general or a colonel, one of the really top, top people in the military, would they ever go back to wearing the, the kit they were wearing in basic training? They wouldn't, would they? It would be absurd. It would be weird. And Paul is saying, we're no longer to behave in the way that we did before we were in Christ. That old way, it was corrupt through deceitful desire, but the new self, the new uniform, is one created after the likeness of God. And so when we come to Christ, we might call it a a conversion. The old self has been put off, and we put on the new self, the, the one we learned from Christ, put on by the Spirit to look like God in his righteousness and holiness. But what does this actually look like in practice? If we've got the principle, this is what happens. The second half of the passage is Paul listing out just various concrete examples of what the new clothes look like in this new community that Christ has made. So verse 25, therefore, is key. It's a a following on. The principle leads to practice. Therefore, verse 25 is don't lie. Tell the truth. Verse 25, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. Put away the lie, the great deception of the old life. And in doing so, put away telling lies as well. Tell the truth. Be honest. Be reliable. When we say that we'll do something, do it. And not only because the person we're speaking to is our neighbor who we're to love as ourselves, but in Christ's new community, his new people, we're members of one another. It's a reminder that Christians are one body. So look to your left and to your right. To lie to one another is the equivalent of putting a knife in our own back and a knife in theirs. As the united church of Christ, one body together, we're to be truthful. Next in the new wardrobe, don't sin if you're angry. Verses 26 and 27, this instruction is really four instructions, isn't it? Can you spot them? One, be angry. Two, do not sin. Three, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And four, give no opportunity for the devil. Did you know that as a Christian, you're allowed to be angry? You're allowed to be angry as a Christian. There's such a thing as a Christian as righteous anger. In the face of evil, we should not be tolerant. We should be angry, not apathetic. Scandals in churches, institutional evils... 
uh, Christians sinning against one another, any number of things should evoke our anger. But three qualifications for it. In your anger, don't sin. If we're anger, angry, we can't allow it to turn to vengefulness, bitterness, injured pride or spitefulness. This is not to be a quality of our anger. Next, don't let the sun go down while you're angry. It's a wise principle, but I don't take it to the literal extreme. Otherwise, summer in Scandinavia is going to be a terrible, terrible experience. It's more of a warning against nursing anger, dwelling on it, letting it smolder and spread. It might feel good, but recognize it. Repent of it, turn from it, and seek restoration with the person with whom you're angry. And then don't give the devil an opportunity. There's a fine line between righteous and unrighteous anger. The devil knows this and how easy it is to fall into the unrighteous anger. So he lurks around, seeking ways to turn righteous anger into the unrighteous, to harm the body of Christ. Next in the new wardrobe, we get don't steal, but work hard. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he might have something to share with anyone in need. We have a a workplace Sunday coming up in a couple of weeks where we'll be thinking more about living out our faith in the workplace. But just think on this instruction for a second here. Don't steal. You might say, Well, that's quite an easy one, actually, because I don't steal. I'm not going to go to the shop and steal. I'm not going to mug someone out on West India Quay after this. But do you pay what you owe on time? Are you completely honest in all of your taxes? Do you, as an employer, exploit your employees? Do you, you as an employee, recognize that your time is actually purchased by your employer. So if you're wasting time doing a bad job, it's stealing. In the uh, early Christian community, there was uh, a lot of sharing so that those who were in desperate poverty need were provided for. Paul's making it clear here that uh, those who steal, those who essentially were freeloading off the Christian community, instead, they're to be uh, working And they go from stealing uh, to being generous. Work is a good thing to do. It enables us to be generous. It's the work of Jesus who can turn the worst of burglars into the, the biggest benefactors of their community. It's a mark of the new self that they're to put on. They go from stealing to generosity. Next, don't speak harm. But build up. Verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Can you imagine if every time you opened your mouth to speak, rather than actually words coming out, instead it was moldy food, rotten apples, the the dregs of the food waste bin, how grim that would be. That's the the word in the original language here 
It's for moldiness, rottenness, corrupting talk. So whether we are dishonest, unkind, rude, we're misusing that wonderful blessing of speech if we do so. Use your speech for building up, not knocking down. And doing so will give grace, give benefit to those who hear. The new clothes, they come with a a new standard of conversation. In essence, church should be the most encouraging place that you come all week. And you should walk through the doors, ready to encourage and build up those who you meet. Next in the new wardrobe, don't grieve the spirit. Verse 30, do not grieve the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is God himself, and he is grieved by all that is unholy. Anything that takes away from the purity of God's people. That sealing of the spirit It took place at the beginning of your Christian life. You are now sealed with the Spirit. He lives in you if you follow Christ. God himself is in you, sees everything that you are doing, lives in you. The day of redemption is looking forward. We are redeemed now in that the debt of our sin is paid by Christ But the day of redemption looks to when Christ comes again, our fallen body is redeemed, and our complete rescue and release from sin is fully finished. In between our sealing and the final day, we are to grow to look more like Christ. Putting on our new self means no longer grieving the spirit. Next, don't be bitter, but forgive. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. But verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Paul lists six attitudes of the old self. Bitterness, that sour spirit that refuses to be reconciled. Everything is somebody else's fault. Wrath and anger. This is anger both in like the explosive self, of the, the losing temper, the, your own temper. And it's that settled, sinful anger as well, isn't it? Clamor, the direction of anger towards someone's face, essentially getting in a fight. And slander, the direction of anger behind their back. And speaking falsely about them, spreading gossip. Malice. Uh, We could really just sum up as, uh, it could really be the summing up of all five in uh, one attitude. There's no place for these things in the new community, made of new people, on the new walk, wearing the new self. Instead, we're to be behaving like Christ. Be kind like Christ. Tender-hearted means to be compassionate, to feel people's pain deeply and to be moved by them and to move yourself to action. You know, if you were to total up all of the times that Jesus is said to have an emotion, an emotional experience in the Bible, you know the very top one? It's compassion. That's to be our attitude, compassionate. Forgiving one another is literally 
acting in grace to one another, to each other. As God has forgiven, acted in grace to you. How can we hold back forgiveness from one another when we ourselves had our sins completely forgiven by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross? His resurrection making that so sure and certain. How can we hold back forgiveness from one another? And therefore, crossing into chapter 5, almost uh, summing up all that has come before, you're to imitate God by walking in love. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us, gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So just as children copy their parents, so we're to copy our loving Father, live a life of love. And as Christ gave himself up for us on the cross, the love of God displayed in self-sacrifice, all that our sins could be forgiven, our wrongdoing cleansed, as the old self was one that gave itself up to immorality. So we are to give ourselves up in love, a self-sacrificing love. It's pleasing to God, a life lived in this way, a pleasing sacrifice. What will this look like as a church then, as people on the new walk, wearing the new self, putting off the old? Well, fundamentally, Church needs to be a place where we can encourage each other in this. And so uh, we can uh, recognize when people are doing well at this and tell them, encourage them. We can be open, though, uh, where we struggle as well. We don't have to pretend to be perfect to come to church. It's somewhere where we see the, the depth of our old self and we work at putting on the new. Someone at a previous church of mine really struggled with lying. He'd just lie all the time. And now and again, in the middle of a conversation, he would say, sorry, I just lied. And you'd never, you'd never notice it. <laughs> just exaggerating, bigging uh, himself up or whatever. He, he would just say it. It's difficult to do that, to be so open, so honest about your old self and the old ways that still seem to cling on, be so tempting. But he wants to wear the new self. Church is somewhere where it's safe to admit what we're doing wrong and to seek help with that. What about you as an individual? I was talking to somebody in our midweek ministry recently. Uh, he became a Christian just, uh, uh, quite, uh, just a couple of years ago, uh, quite recently. And life has been like no means straightforward for him. It's been difficult. We were looking at the uh, parable of the wedding banquet, where Jesus instructs, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And this guy, he works for a bank, and he said that it summarizes the radical change of the gospel in his own life, where once he would never have thought about being humble, never even have considered it. Now it's all he wants. And he describes every day is one challenge after another, but the pressure, the anxieties, the difficulties, they pale when he considers that Jesus has 
done away with the old self, who just wanted to be at the center of everything. And instead, he's put on the new self that wants Jesus at the center. So all his behavior now is radically different. So if you're here today, you feel yourself living the old way, attempted to live the old way, wear the old clothes. Before we take the the Lord's Supper today, we'll confess our sins. And if you find yourself living the old way, before we do that, you need to repent. You're sleeping with somebody that you're not married to, nursing a grudge, angry, sitting on a lie that is just eating you up. Before you take the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to be your comfort, it's time to repent and to live with those glorious new clothes on. Let's take a moment and just come to the Lord God in your heart. Work through these things and we'll continue our service in prayer.